All right, now it is time. We're super excited. Ooh. We got the one and only Jesse Arthur Carroll coming on the show yes. to talk about anything and everything, especially voice acting, which I believe is a hidden gem in the entertainment industry. Absolutely. And this guy is so passionate about what he does. Literally the entire interview, if you guys are watching this on YouTube, he smiles the whole time. It's infectious. You you will be smiling halfway through the interview, guaranteed. I mean, it's just, it's a gem of an interview. You guys are going to love this one. Day. Most definitely, man. Most definitely. Well, that's later on the show. Now, let's get a little crazy. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Episode 211 is brought to you by the one and only JLo Fantastic and the one and only Mouth. <laughs> man, oh man, you guys know your host with the most. But before we get this thing started and tease the rest of the show, be sure to leave a rating on the podcast. Comment below. Tell us what you think about the show. Leaving a rating actually helps the podcast get seen by more people, especially those who enjoy entertainment news and those trying to break into the entertainment industry. That's what this podcast is all about for those breaking into the entertainment industry so you know how to be in the room when it happens man oh man we're super excited because there's a lot of good stuff coming out of hollywood like avatar the way of the water freaking new trailer dropped and of course westworld got canceled Uh, that one's very confusing we're gonna dive deep into that one but of course black panther also comes out next week so there's some stuff about marvel oh my goodness guys there's a lot of stuff happening in hollywood but before we get that started be sure to head over to our website www.crazyantmedia.com where you can start rocking the latest and greatest crazy media gear we got shirts we got hats we got anything and everything you need for this upcoming holiday season and be sure to follow us at crazy ant media and at it calf podcast and our personal ones as well so that you can stay up to date with the sales we have going on in our store that is very important because everything is so damn good and crazy but you only get them while supplies last no and if they're great sales i know a few people that just took advantage of this last one with 20 percent off the whole purchase so i mean come on guys that's like fantastic Fantastic. For so. sure. Thanksgiving Day, it's 35%. Woo! Yeah. Insane, man. Yeah, buddy. Absolutely insane. That's like almost half off. It's exactly. so worth it. It's exactly. damn near free shipping. So, I mean, you know, hey. You gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> man, oh, man. Starting off with Disney, though. Like of I course. said, we're talking about Avatar The Way of the Water. 20th Century Studios released that new trailer a few weeks ahead of its highly anticipated sci fi sequel, December 16th release date. Now, the second installment in the franchise sees the return of Stephen Lang's villain character yep. as Colonel Quartich, who is seemingly revived through Navi Avatar form. Now, once again, at odds with Pan. Pandora native Natiri, who's played by Zoe Saldana, and her mate Jake Sully, Sam Worthington, set over a decade after the original film which took place in 2154. Yeah. Now, the newly released trailer shows glimpses of Jake and Natiri cozying up as a family. Viewing Viewers are given a deeper look at the couple's, uh, Natiri's children, Natium, who's played by uh, Jamie Flatters, Look, uh, who's played by Brittain Dalton, and uh, Tukturi, who's played by Trinity Bliss, and Kiri, who's played by another person, returning to the franchise in a whole new role. So that's very exciting. If you want to take a crack at that name, there you are more Sigourney than Weaver? Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney yeah. Weaver. Yeah. yeah. See, you, you hear it, and it sounds 
very familiar. Yeah, you know her. It. You love her. She's very familiar with James Cameron after Alien. Hello, yeah. Exactly. Um, and this character that she's playing is actually based on his real-life daughter. Mm. So um, I'm not impressed. I saw the trailer, and I'm just like, if you've seen Aquaman or or even if you've seen the trailer from Wakanda Forever and you see the underwater stuff with Namor and everything, it's just... Back in the day, the original Avatar was, like, groundbreaking. It's the first time anybody's really ever seen anything like that. But now everybody's doing it, and I just don't think it's been on a level ramped up so much that it's, again, groundbreaking. I just think it's like, oh, okay, well, we've seen this. So now it's going to wholly come down to the story, and I'm just, I don't know. I'm not that impressed. Also... How will it do at the box office, right? We know the first one's still the highest grossing of all time because he's re-released it 5,000 fucking times. But this one says sources indicate that Avatar The Way of the Water will clock in, get this, guys and gals, at more than three hours. Mm. No exact final runtime has been decided. Disney has provided no comment, but Cameron himself has publicly said... It's a long movie. The original was two hours and 41 minutes. News of the runtime began leaking when the film was rated PG-13. The runtime was also posted on the theater websites. So well over three hours long, guys. That means it's limited to how many showings it can have, which of course limits how many tickets can be sold and how much money it makes. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, most definitely, man. Most definitely. Definitely don't think it's going to be as successful as the original, like I don't you think just so said. Um, but I do think for the younger audience because i've seen a lot of kids talking about this one i mean they're really excited so we'll see how that goes which is interesting that you brought that up because a lot of people that were so blown away by the first one i do not hear talking about it yeah they're all talking about wakanda or whatever they're not talking about avatar so it will be interesting to see if that balances out or not exactly because remember we went and saw jurassic world like the kids in front of us like teenage kids they were like super excited about it and super like in awe that the trailer was showed so yeah it's gonna be very interesting sure a reasonable doubt onyx collective's first scripted series is getting a special airing of its premiere episode on abc the debut episode of the legal drama series which streams on hulu will air thursday november 10th at 10 01 p.m. Eastern oh, Time. That's very specific. Very specific. Right. <laughs> the series, which premiered on Hulu on September 27th, hails from writer and executive producer Ramila Mohammed, uh, who leads an all-black writing staff on the series, and executive producer and director Carrie Washington. Now, Mitzi Kondadili um, stars as Judge Jack Stewart, Per the logline, you'll judge Jack Stewart for her questionable ethics and Ooh. wild interpretations of the law until you're the one in trouble. <laughs> uh, then you'll see her for what she is, the most brilliant and fearless defense attorney in Los Angeles who bucks the justice system at every chance she gets. Ooh. So that sounds very exciting. Yeah, no, yeah. Questionable means, but if you need her, you want her, right? Most like, that's going to be cool. All right, so now we're moving on. This was pretty huge news this week. And it's another person that's making the shift from one uh, comic book, you know, genre and studio to the other. I'm, of course, talking about Yaha Abdul-Mateen II. He's set to jump from DC to Marvel and join the Disney Plus series Wonder Man as Simon Williams, who, of course, transforms into the long-awaited superhero. Now, this is causing some controversy already by a bunch of dumbass racist people because they're saying, ah, he's black and Wonder Man isn't black and why are they casting a black person? To all of you, shut the fuck up. Thanks. Anyway, (laughs) 
Filmmaker Destin Daniel Creighton, why does that name sound familiar? Well, because he directed 2021's feature Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, is actually developing Wonder Man as part of his overall deal with Marvel Studios and Onyx Collective. Cretton may direct the series as well, though he's got a crowded plate. He's already set to direct 2025's Avengers The Kang Dynasty, and he's expected to helm the Shang-Chi sequel. Now, in the comic books, if you guys aren't familiar, Williams is the son of a wealthy industrialist whose company, Williams Innovations, is run out of business due to competition from everybody's favorite, Tony Stark and Stark Industries. In desperation, Simon turns to Baron Zemo, yeah, you guys know him and love him. You've, we've got a lot of him already in the MCU. He gives Simon superpowers and directs him to infiltrate and then betray the Avengers. Mm. Now, eventually, however, Simon joins the Avengers in earnest and is even a founding member of the spinoff team, the West Coast Avengers, which all you geeks know, if you've been following, they've been setting up also in the MCU over the past couple of years. However, it's unclear how much or little of this storyline will actually make its way into the series, but knowing what we know from what we've seen with little Easter eggs and stuff, I'm betting quite a bit of it. It does seem likely, though, that Williams' comic book history as an actor and stunt performer will come into play into the show, as Ben Kingsley is set to return as the failed actor-turned-reformed villain, Trevor Slattery. I love that. And he is, of course, originated in 2013's Iron Man 3 and then reprised in Shang-Chi. Marvel Studios has not yet announced a premiere date for Wonder Man. So much going on with that. That's a great storyline, West Coast Avengers and the battling of the Avengers and all that kind of stuff. But there's another very interesting one, guys. At some point, he is responsible for helping Vision, and we all know Vision is getting his own series, if you listened to the show last week, of getting Vision's memories back. And mm. and he, Simon, falls in love with Scarlet Witch, which causes problems with Vision and Scarlet Witch, obviously, and there's so much to unpack, and I can't wait to see that show. I think it's going to be fucking epic. Oh, most definitely, man, most definitely. Well, something else epic happening in, in the MCU, Audrey Plaza is joining yes. Catherine Hahn in the upcoming Marvel Studios series, Agatha Coven of Chaos, and Disney, in Disney+, Plus, of course, the series, as we told you, is a spinoff of the Marvel show WandaVision, with Hahn set to reprise the role of Agatha Harkness. Now, exact plot details, including the character plaza would be playing in the show are being kept under wraps <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, Emma Clodfield, or Clodfield Ford is also set to reprise the role of Dottie from WandaVision. In the new series, Heartstopper star Joe Locke has also been cast in the spinoff, along with Ali Ahn from Raising Dion and Maria Dizia from All the Good Things. So, yeah. you know, Man, a lot of good stuff. Yeah, they're rounding out that cast something fierce. I love Aubrey Plaza, so, yep. you know, and if you guys know, it's not the first you know foray into marvel not the mcu but she was involved in marvel with legion remember she was on legion fantastic show um disney plus this sounds exciting announced the new original special encanto at the hollywood bowl with an introduction by lin-manuel miranda himself will launch wednesday december 28th on the streamer the two-night concert event will take place at the Hollywood Bowl on November 11th and 12th, so th this coming week. The original voice cast of Encanto will reunite at the Bowl, and the event will also feature special guests, including Colombian stars Carlos Vives and Andrea Sapita. The live-to-film concert experience, including an 80-person orchestra, mm -hmm. 50 dancers, and special effects, will, of course, center on the characters and songs of Disney's animations Encanto, which I would hope so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
exactly. That's really cool, though. Oh, for sure. I think a lot of people are going to enjoy that. Very I think family so too. friendly. FX has placed a pilot order for The Answers with Kit Stelling Killiner, uh, set to write and executive produce, Darren uh, Orfrosky uh, from Kindred and One Strange Rock, and Danny Strong from Dope Sick yeah. and Empire will also executive produce. The one-hour drama plot will our pilot will be produced by 20th Television as part of Disney Television Studios. Based on the novel of the same name by uh, Catherine Lacey, the official logline for the series states that it follows a young woman who, out of a heartbreak, embarks on a mysterious <laughs> experiment that promises to hack love. Oh. But after the program moves her to a private location with the other fellow female participants, she and her cohorts uh, soon realize they have all been simultaneously dating the same man. Oh. Wow, that sounds very interesting. And all kinds of trouble. All <laughs> kinds of trouble, man. Damn. Danny Strong, what are you doing? <laughs> I like that, though. I mean, original. It's an original concept. Most definitely. That's what we're asking for. Exactly. Jump into Fox now. Fox has unveiled the first on-air promo for its upcoming anthology drama, Accused. The project comes from 24 executive producers Howard Gordon and Alex Gonza and house creator and executive producer David Shore. Now, as we've told you, the stellar cast includes Rachel Bilson, Whitney Cummings, Oscar nominee Abigail Breslin, Emmy winners Michael Chiklis, Margot Martindale, Molly Parker, Rhea Perlman, Malcolm Jamal Warner, along with Wendell Pierce, Jack Davenport, our buddy Reed Miller and former guest. Each episode in opens in a courtroom on the accused without knowing their crime and mm. how they ended up on trial. Accused is told from the defendant's point of view and viewers discover how an ordinary person got caught up in an extraordinary situation, ultimately revealing how one wrong turn leads to another until it's too late to turn back. I love that it opens up and we have no idea why they're on trial. Most definitely. And then we have to hear from their point of view what the fuck happened? And I real that's that's different. And I, you know, you get all these legal shows and law shows, and they're all kind of formulaic. But this one, definitely a different view on it. <laughs> you defendant's view, <laughs> but I like that. I'm excited about that for sure. It seems like a lot of uh, courtroom dramas and legal dramas are coming back into the spotlight, mm -hmm. and I love to see that. Now heading over to Warner Brothers Discovery, Black Adam is still atop of the hierarchy of power at the box office, at least for this last weekend. The Warner Brothers release looks to claim the top spot of the domestic charts again for its third weekend in a row. Staying ahead of the new release, One Piece film uh, Red, the DC film earned an additional $4.7 million yesterday on Thursday. Now that is down 37% from its numbers one week ago. No shit. Hey, whoever that guy was last week, See? I hope you're listening. it's down 37%. Black Adam, which hasn't faced a much major competition since its release in October, is expected to put up a healthy hold expanding its domestic gross beyond 120 million which isn't too shabby no. it'll be the film's last round ruling at the box office though because like i said next week is marvel's black panther wakanda forever and you guys know that's going to be a huge opening weekend i'm guessing maybe 130 to 150 i know that's a wide range right now but man oh man a lot of people are really anticipating this thing I think it's going to be even higher. I think so. I do. I think it's going to be like Spider-Man level. I, I I think it's going to be massive, but we'll see. We'll find out. For it, sure. No doubt it's going to be a huge hit <laughs> either way. Exactly. You know what else seems to be a huge hit? 
HBO Max and Discovery Plus and HBO. No shit, right? Love Warner it. Brothers Discovery saw streaming subscriptions rise to nearly 95 million, so they're closing in on that coveted 100 million. Now, keep in mind, though, that's combined global customers across HBO, HBO Max, and Discovery Plus. From July 1st to September 30th, the quarter during which the highly anticipated Game of Thrones prequel House of Dragon took flight. So that definitely helps. No, most definitely. And I love it too because HBO Max is my favorite streaming service. So I love to see it. But as the David Zasloff led company works towards unfying the streaming platforms into one streaming service, now combining all three of those into one next summer following its April acquisition of Warner Media and Warner Brothers Discovery, again decided not to break out HBO and HBO Max subscribers in its quarterly earnings results. Instead, Warner Brothers Discovery revealed the new overall total along with its quarter three report. Now, on the earnings calls, Zavzloff said that the company has moved up its target date for the launch for the Merge HBO Max Discovery Plus streaming platform to spring of 2023. So that's just around the corner yeah. in the U.S. from the previous timeline of next summer. Now, I really hope they don't call it HBO Max dash Discovery Plus because, I mean, that's a mouthful. I and mean, you're just going to end up saying HBO Max anyway. Yeah, so. well, since we he's a Discovery guy, I'm betting we're going with Discovery Plus. I really hope. I not. mean, I, I like HBO Max, and guys, for if you weren't paying it, so they're rolling HBO into HBO Max and then merging HBO Max with Discovery Plus. Yeah. So who knows what the fuck they're gonna call it? Whatever it'll be, I, I'll hate it because I hate Zaslav. Oh, uh, moving on. <laughs> I can't help it. The only good decision the man has made in the entire time is hiring James Gunn and Peter Safran. That's all I'm saying. Um, HBO, like this. This is a bad decision. HBO has canceled Westworld after four seasons, the network announced yesterday. The news comes just under three months after the series aired its season four finale, August 14th. You guys know, right? It was picked up for season five, remember? Well, I've got some news on that. Sources say that a multitude of factors went into the decision. I call bullshit. It's just Zaslav. Um, to end the sci-fi drama, including the production's hefty price tag, combined with dwindling viewership and an ongoing evaluation of programming across the board at HBO's new parent, Warner Brothers Discovery. Now, there is some sort of a silver lining for the cast, though, as sources say they will be paid for season five, regardless of the fact that it won't be produced. And and that's because, and everybody loves these, the core cast had pay-or-play deals for season five. Yeah, that's what you get that way. You either pay if you don't play, and that's how it's going down. Exactly. Now, as we've told you, the David Zasloff-run company has been paring back spending as part of a plan to institute $3.5 billion in cost-saving synergies, which the business has promised to find over the next three years post the merger. However, even on the heels of a rough third quarter earnings report, Zasloff has continued to underline the importance of a healthy content spend, and HBO has several high-profile big-budget dramas that make it clear the premium cabler isn't cutting back overall, including House of Dragon, Euphoria, and the upcoming Last of Us adaptation. I know what you're thinking. Wait, they're trying to cut money, but they're spending money. I know everything he says is a contradiction, like in the same breath, every time he says anything. Yeah. There's no telling what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. I mean, um, I would try to play devil's advocate and say that they want their just their main franchises, which I would say is, you know, Game of Thrones World and Harry Potter and those type of things. 
But then you bring The Last of Us, which is just another chance you're taking. So it's like you can't even try to argue that defense. So it's just, yeah, it's going to be very interesting well, to see yeah. what happens. And you're right. And he says franchises in DC. He's, he's stressed the importance of the DC Studios universe now and the emphasis on the DC characters. And yet you'll see a little just a little further down in the, in the Warner Brothers news. He is continuing to chop and get rid of DC properties. Exactly. It, it makes no sense, man. It doesn't. But a lot of people are very curious about this next one because a lot of controversy and a lot of weird stuff and a lot of pedophilia. Um, he didn't spit on him. He didn't. He didn't do the spit gate. Uh, Don't Worry Darling is coming to HBO Max. A little over six weeks after the film hit theaters, the psychological thriller directed by Olivia Wilde will make its streaming debut exclusively on HBO Max on Monday, November 7th. Don't Worry Darling from New Line Cinema and Warner Brothers Pictures stars uh, Wilde alongside Florence Pugh, Harry Styles, um, um, Gemma Chan, uh, Kiki Lane, and Chris Pine, of course. Now, the film has generated considerable offset drama, like we were just joking about. Rumored circulated for months that Wild and Pew had feuded on set. Now, then the drama erupted around Shia LaBeouf's exit from the film, with LaBeouf uh, leaking a video of Wild trying to get him back, despite Pew's clear uh, reservations about working with him. Now, meanwhile, at Venice Film Festival, Styles allegedly spit on Chris Pine. Both of their reps denied such act took place, uh, but don't worry, darling. Uh, topped the box office during its opening weekend that grossed around $45 million domestically over five weeks. The film has a low 38% mm. score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 74% with audience score. So, I mean... Take with that what you will. Uh, I'm still curious about watching it, so I'll probably end up watching it. Oh, for sure. Me too. I mean, you know, that's a huge difference, though. Critics fucking hate it, clearly, but, I mean, I guess the fans like it. For so sure. We'll see. Uh, the White Lotus Season 2 premiere drew 1.5 million viewers on Sunday night across HBO Max and Linear Telecast, which is a 63% increase from the Season 1 debut, according to HBO. Now, that's interesting because Westworld's current audience is around 4 million. Mm, yeah. But they cited declining audience as a reason they canceled that one. Like, yeah. hmm. Yeah. The audience, like I said, was up about 35% compared to season one, uh, and they're live plus same-day average for each episode. Now, since the series premiered, season one has averaged about 9.3 million total viewers per episode across all platforms leading up to the season two premiere. The first season saw an uptick in viewership climbing into HBO Max's top five most watched series last week. So, okay, take from that what you will. I mean, I don't I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very interesting, man. They don't make any sense right now. They don't. <laughs> Kristen Militoni is joining Colin Farrell in the Batman spin-off series created and centered on Penguin yes. at HBO Max. Exact plot details for the series, which is currently titled The Penguin, are under wraps. Wow. It is believed to take place in the immediate aftermath of the events of The Batman. Now, Farrell will reprise his role as the infamous Batman villain whom he played in the film. Now, Militoni uh, will star as Sophia Falcone, the daughter of Gotham mob boss uh, Carmine Falcone, who if you watch the original film, you will know more about that. 
that story. John Turito will, uh, played Carmine in the Batman. Then with the Penguin serving as his right-hand man, Sophia was originally introduced in the Batman comic books in the mid-1990s. Uh, now, Militoni will now be the second actress to portray Sophia in the live-action series, uh, with Crystal Reed having played her in the Fox series, Gotham. Yeah. So, a lot of good stuff. I'm excited about this series, man. That whole, like... I want to, I guess, universe because there's so much different shit happening over there is very exciting to me. And I hope it stays afloat amid, you know, Snyderverse getting revamped. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, for sure. And she's a great character. She I is. mean, so it's going to be interesting to see how they incorporate her into that whole thing. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Kelly Ripa. Kidding, kidding. <laughs> Mark Consuelos <laughs> has joined the cast of HBO Max's The Girls on the Bus in a recurring role. Consuelos will portray a major Hollywood action star turned politician. Politician who joined the presidential race after a Twitter poll said 46% of Americans would vote for him regardless of party affiliation. So that's interesting how they're going to try to incorporate that into a real life story. So that's yeah. kind of okay. Yeah, that, right. that's interesting. I'm curious about that one. Uh, the Dead Boy Detective show at HBO Max has added Caitlin Riley and Max Jenkins to its cast in recurring roles. The official series description states, it's a fresh take on a ghost story that explores loss, grief, and death through the lens of Edward uh, Edwin Payne uh, and Charles Rowland, two dead British teenagers, and their very alive friend, Crystal Palace. Now, so... It's a lot of, like, vintage detective series, only darker on acid. Um, <laughs> the eight-episode series was ordered at HBO Max back in April, and it is based on DC Comics of the same name as well as Sandman from the characters created by uh, Neil Gaiman and, uh, of course, Matt Wagner. So a lot of different interesting things there. Now, Riley and Jenkins will play Liddy and Kingham, respectively. Uh, they are described as tiny, foul-mouthed uh, dandelion spirits um, and their rude uh, annoyance to the dead boys. So it's going to be very interesting. For sure. And if you guys are fans of Doom Patrol, you know they briefly introduced those guys on Doom Patrol. So, you know, you got a little hint at, although it appears they're moving with different actors. But yeah. still, you kind of saw what they're talking about, who they are. Um, Almost, guys, are you even, I can't even believe this. Were you a fan of Christmas Story? Old Ralphie licking the pole, getting the tongue stuck. You know what I'm talking about. It's a of fucking course. beloved You'll classic. Shoot your eye out. Exactly. Well, almost 40 years after the release of the original, HBO Max has dropped the official trailer for A Christmas Story Christmas, heralding the start of the holiday season and the return of original star Peter Billingsley as Ralphie Parker himself. Now, no longer an adorable tween. The, the trailer... No, no he's kind of old now. The yeah. trailer shows the 51-year-old actor attempting to reconnect with his inner child and reconcile with the death of his father by returning to Cleveland Street with his new family. Family, with the goal of giving the kids in his hometown the same type of magical Christmas he once had, Ralphie will encounter childhood friends and make new ones to spread holiday cheer. Now, the upcoming release is set in the 1970s, given the fact that the 1983 original film, A Christmas Story, was set in the 40s. Okay. So it makes sense. The film releases on HBO Max on November 17th, so just a couple weeks from now. I'm actually really excited about that. I am too, and I mean, like I've said a couple times on the show in the past, it seems like a lot of of movies right now are period pieces which i love i love going back in time and for seeing sure. 
those type of things. Now, faced with their first decision on ordering more of the CW existing scripted series, the network new Nexstar owners opted against it. There will be no back orders for the CW new fall series of Walker Independence and the Winchesters, whom freshman seasons will remain at the original 13 episodes. Sources say the same would apply to all of the CW freshman series and that the network's head, uh, Dennis Miller, stressed to producers and talent that no decisions about next season have been made yet. Now, this is indicating that the lack of back orders does not mean cancellations, though. Both Walker Independence and the Winchesters have done well by the CW rating standards and are new chapters in a hugely popular CW franchise. So under the normal circumstances, full seasons for both shows would be a no-brainer, but there's a lot of shit that they're juggling and trying to figure out over there, so we'll see how that goes. And I call total bullshit. They didn't give them a back order for more episodes to get them to 26. They say it doesn't mean it's going to be cancellation, but another CW hit that's doing really well, DC's Stargirl. Yep. They did cancel it. It's coming to an end. The series will conclude with its third season, which is currently airing on The CW. New episodes will continue to air on Wednesdays through December 7th. The cancellation of DC Stargirl comes less than a month after Nexstar Media Group completed the acquisition of the network. The production team were given an early indication that it may have been the uh, final season Mm -hmm. and to write an ending that would reflect that. The decision is thought to have been made by Nexstar executives and they have clearly signaled that its focus will be be retooling the CW and shifting towards unscripted content and shows that appeal to an older audience. Um, so there you go. And I literally saw that he's got this this new guy that's kind of in control of everything. He's got like 14 blank post-it notes on the wall. And that's going to be the few. He's going to decide what 14 things move forward. Uh, It's not looking good for DC properties, even though Zasloff says that's important. And they are still part owner with Nexstar of the CW, but apparently not. So all I can say is I hope that Superman and Lois and even Walker Independence and Walker and Winchester, hopefully Zasloff is smart enough to bring that shit over to the combined whatever they're going to call it streamer and give them life because I feel like those are all great shows that are going to get the shit shaft if they don't bring them over. Most definitely. Well, Gossip Girl star Grace Dua has been up to a series regular for the show's upcoming second season premiering December 1st. Now, uh, Grace plays uh, Sean Baron Barnes, a free spirit and best friend to Zoya Lote. Uh, season two will reveal a pivotal details about her character as well as romances and misconnections. Mm. So, will that one continue? Will yeah. Gossip Girl continue? Exactly. We don't even know. All right, jumping over to Paramount. Lupita, this is an exciting one, y'all. Lupita Nyongwo is in final negotiations to star in the spinoff A Quiet Place Day One, mm. which is the next installment of the Paramount horror franchise. Now, Michael Sarnowski will helm the film set for release on March 8th, 2024. Story details are being kept under wraps, but it comes from an original idea from John Krasinski, who of course directed and co-starred in the first two A Quiet Place movies with Emily Blunt. So that's exciting. If he's involved in any way, I feel like it's going to be good. Oh, most so. definitely, man. Most definitely. Well, CB- CBS is freaking killing it 
when it comes to television. Once again, they're dominating the fall TV season with its primetime lineup. Now, the network has secured 17 of the 25 most-watched entertainment programs of the season wow. so far, including all three of its newest season. Our newest series are Fire Country, which came out on our which next one is November 17th, East New York, and So Help Me Todd. It should come as no surprise that the network's procedurals are among those of the fairly faring the best. Now, NCIS and FBI are the two most watched series of the fall season, each averaging about 9.6 million viewers per episode. According to the latest Nielsen numbers, CBS has seven series total in the top 10, including sophomore comedy Ghost at number seven with uh, 8.9 viewers per episode and Young Sheldon at number six with 9 million viewers per episode. Also, the top 10 are 60 Minutes, Equalizer, and Blue Blood. So I I mean, they're really killing it. It makes sense, though. It makes sense. I mean, sense. for sure. And if you guys are keeping track, you know, the 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 people that are dominant, the other ones that are Dick Wolf yeah. and, and all the Law and Orders, they're the ones taking the spots that we didn't tell you. So it's basically, you know, those are the guys. I mean, they're, they're just like Dick Wolf is ruling television on the on the network side, streamer side. It's fucking Taylor Sheridan. Like, Literally. Either way, it's Paramount kicking ass. Um. Oh my gosh, did you guys see this one? The Criminal Minds Behavioral Analysis Unit is back in the upcoming revival series, Criminal Minds Evolution. And Paramount Plus dropped a new trailer for it this week. And let me tell you, if you haven't watched it, it is creepy as fuck. It's kind of scary, I'm not even going to lie. The crime drama series fouls the BAU's elite profilers as they face a mysterious antagonist and an unsub who used the pandemic to build a network of serial killers. When the network is set in motion, the team must bring down their greatest threat one murderer at a time mm. now of course joe mantangia Kristen vagnus aj cook paget brewster aisha taylor and adam rodriguez star as their characters from criminal minds while zach guilford and josh stewart appear as recurring roles the 10 episode first season of criminal minds evolution will premiere with a two episode special right around the corner november 24th on paramount plus Following the premiere, new episodes will drop weekly on Thursdays until its mid-season finale on December 15th. The season will return on January 12th through February 9th. Uh, Emily saw this and she was all like, oh my gosh, so is she so oh, right. in? She yeah. loves this show. So. Exactly, exactly. Well, so, uh, Showtime has pushed the premiere date of season two of Your Honor to January of 2023. The 10 episode second season starring Brian Cranston will now bow on demand and on a streaming Friday, which is going to be January 13th of 2023, and on air on Sunday, January 15th at 9 p.m. It was initially scheduled to premiere on streaming on demand on December 9th and on linear December 11th. As of now, the reasoning behind the move, Showtime pushed the show because of its uh, serialized nature that it's the best watched the week after week and wanted it to air without interruption of the Christmas holidays. Uh, the first season of Your Honor ranks as the top uh, debut season ever on Showtime, according to the network. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a fucking badass show. I'm excited for season two. That makes sense, though. I was worried, like, why were they pushing it? But that makes sense. You don't want to break it up in between Christmas. Makes so. sense. 
Good deal. Uh, George and Tammy, you know who exactly they're talking about, Tammy Wynette and George. Uh, the limited series about George Jones and Tammy Wynette, starring Michael Shanahan and Jessica Chastain, moving to Showtime. Yeah. The six-episode drama was previously set to air on the Paramount Network, which nobody has that I know of. I don't uh, Yeah. <laughs> instead, the series premiere will now sit and now air simultaneously on both Showtime and Paramount Network, commercial-free. On December 4th at 9 p.m., immediately after a new episode of Yellowstone, because that's how you get people to watch, is lead in with Yellowstone. For sure. All subsequent episodes will then air on Showtime. New episodes will be available streaming and on demand to Showtime and Paramount, plus bundle subscribers on Fridays thereafter, ahead of their linear debut on Sundays at 9 p.m. on Showtime. The show will also begin rolling out in markets where Paramount Plus is available outside the U.S. and Canada. So there you go. That's very interesting. And Jessica? Chastain just wants to be everybody else but herself, apparently. I mean, right? <laughs> like, come kidding. on. Uh, but uh, she's a great actress, so maybe she's going to take a home a win- an Emmy this time instead of the Oscar. Paramount Plus announced that Mayor of Kingstown will return for its second yes. season on Sunday, January 15th. The show will launch its first in the U.S. and Canada, and the following day in the U.K. and Australia. A teaser was also shared featuring stars Jamie Renner and uh, Diane West Weist uh, previewing the aftermath of the prison riot from the first season's finale. Man, oh man, I'm super excited about for this For sure, for sure. Another phenomenal trailer if you guys haven't checked it out. All right, jumping over to NBC Universal. A huge fan of the show. I loved it. Lee Majors and, and all the gang back in the day. I was a huge fan, but I don't know about the movie, guys. Aaron Taylor Johnson is the latest to join Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the cast of Universal's The Fall Guy, which has a March 1st, 2024 release date. Production for the film, based on the beloved 80s series, is set to begin in Australia this fall. Of course, as I said, the feature film is inspired by the 80s series of the same name and will be directed by David Leach. Plot details are unknown at this time but if you're not familiar with it it's about a stunt guy who uh works part-time as a bounty hunter and he chases down you know criminals so yeah it was really entertaining back in the day i don't know what the movie is going to be like but i'm guessing it's going to be the same similar plot yeah for sure i don't know why but last week i got aaron taylor johnson confused with will poulter i don't know why. yeah 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 (laughs) that's okay i mean it's fine yeah no sure yeah yeah, sure it's fine uh derek haas (laughs) is leaving wolf entertainment the writer and producer who co-created chicago fire and serves as co-showrunner on both nbc shows and cbs's fbi international will exit dick's wolf company after finishing out the current tv season Haas first met with Wolf Entertainment back in 2011, launching Chicago Fire and the One Chicago franchise. Uh, Along with co-creator Michael uh, Brandit in 2012, he serves as executive producer and co-showrunner of The Procedural. Currently in its 11th (laughs) season, and Andrea Newman, uh, he is an executive producer of both spinoffs, Chicago PD and Chicago Men, which are airing their 10th and 8th seasons, respectively. Now, the news comes amid many casting changes at Wolf Entertainment. Jesse Lee Schofer left Chicago PD at the beginning of the season, while Guy Lockhart, Sarah Rafferty, and uh, Asia Cooper exited Chicago Med, and Jeremy Nicholas left Chicago Fire. Brian T. is set to leave the medical drama later this season. Meanwhile, Kelly Giddish was cut from Law & Order SVU this year, and her last episode will air next month. That's a lot 
lot of exits, man. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, some of them I feel like they want to do different things. Well, and keep in mind, guys, one of the things I feel like that made Dick Wolf's original Big Bad Boy franchise so successful, Law & Order, obviously, is the constant change in the cast members every few years. Yeah. So this is should come to no surprise for anybody that they keep rotating out cast members. For sure. He loves to do it. Um. This is really interesting. I don't know how, if you're excited about this. I'm I'm curious about this. I can't say excited yet. Peacock has given a straight-to-series order to a Friday the 13th prequel currently titled Crystal Lake. And you guys know exactly what Crystal Lake is. Exact plot details are being kept under wraps, although it is described as an expanded prequel. The show will be written by Brian Fuller, who is also the showrunner and an executive producer. Victor Miller, who penned the original film in the franchise, wow, how old is he now, will also executive produce along with Mark Toberoff and Rob Bersaramim and A24. Now, A24 will also serve as the studio behind the series. The original Friday the 13th was released way back in the day in 1980. In that film, Jason is a child who drowns at Camp Crystal Lake. His death leads his mother, Pamela, to seek revenge against the counselor she blamed for her son's death. It grossed nearly $60 million against a budget of only $550,000. So that, yeah, huge, huge, huge numbers back then. And I don't know if a lot of people remember that Jason wasn't actually the killer in the very first first one. one. Yeah, it was his mom, so. Yeah, I, uh, the only experience I ever have is Freddy vs. Jason and I've always been more of a Freddy guy. I love freaking Nightmare on Elm Street. Did you not watch uh, Padalecki's reboot of Friday the 13th? Mm-mm. It was actually pretty good. I yeah. mean, you know, so I am curious, though. Like, and anytime they try to, you already know the ending, right? Yeah, The exactly. prequel is always challenging to write. Yeah. So, like, what are we going to see? To, them? like, set up stuff. Yeah. yeah. Are we going to see some sort of a weird mom-son relationship between the mom and Jason? Right. And, like, I, I mean, I don't know. So it's going to be interesting. For sure. The upcoming comedic thriller series, based on a true story at Peacock, has added three new cast members, uh, Tom Bateman, uh, Lena Liberto, and uh, Priscilla Quanta, Coinita, uh, have joined the show as series regulars. They will star alongside previously announced cast members Kaylee Cuoco and Chris Messina. Uh, based on a true story, was given a straight-to-series order in April. It is one of the latest additions to... Uh, a growing roster of crew crime crew true crime <laughs> projects at Peacock, which includes Doctor Death as well as uh, Joe versus Carol, and the recently launched a friend of the family. Yeah. So a lot of interesting things happening over there, but they're trying to mix it up, which I feel like is a good thing. Oh, absolutely, and they're they're clearly all in on the true crime shit. So. Yeah. Now this one's really interesting. If you're a fan of Hallmark movies and Christmas, and you were always like, why can't I ever find them if I don't have Hallmark well you're in luck because guess what just in time for the holiday movie binge season Peacock's cut a deal with Hallmark Media that calls for the NBC Universal streamer to carry some live linear program as well as on-demand options for Hallmark signature movies now the deal reflects Peacock's efforts to broaden its scope under the new management regime led by President Kelly Campbell she described it as a first of its kind deal for Peacock which has struggled with visibility no shit and traction amid the larger industry battle for subscribers this will massively help though guys hallmark is is massively huge in regular cable and i think this is going to draw a lot of people to them 
the Hallmark branded hub on Peacock with content from Hallmark Channel, Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, and Hallmark Drama. It debuted already. It's already up there, guys. You can go check it out. And will include Hallmark's expansive slate of Christmas and holiday-themed movies, as well as popular drama series such as When Calls the Heart and two new series arriving next year, Ride and The Way Home. Mm. So this is going to be huge because everybody's always wanting to go back and watch yeah. you know, the Hallmark holiday movies. And, and I feel like now that they have a home on a streamer that people can find really easily instead of trying to download the Hallmark apps or whatever that, you know, this is going to be huge for them. I think so too. And I mean, a lot of Hallmark movies are underrated, but I do think they're getting a lot of uh, attention recently the past couple of years. So I think it's going to be really good for their brand and good for Peacock to have that, you know, relatability and to drive more people to your yeah, streamer. Because they're not so much formulaic anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, the scripts are, are, are much better and the the diversity in the casting is much better. So yeah, they're and they're luring big stars now. So hey, exactly. Well, Dolly Parton's two-hour holiday special film featuring <laughs> country pop star Dolly Parton is set to debut premiere. Dolly Parton's Mountain Magic Christmas will air Thursday, December first at eight p.m. Eastern Time, Pacific Time. You know wherever you're located on NBC. Musical guests: Jimmy Fallon, Willie Nelson, Billy Ray Cyrus, Jimmy Allen, Zach Williams, and her uh uh, uh mm, what are what's their relation uh, something godmother a uh, goddaughter uh Miley Cyrus joined Dolly Parton on the special Tom Everett Scott Angel Parker and Anna Gracecher will also star Mary Lane Haskell Brian Bat Brendan Bradley uh John Newberg Rachel Parton George Cassie Parton Griffith Rhoda Griffith <laughs> Yeah, Liam Rudolph and Steve Summers round out the cast. Are they all related? Because shit, their name sounds the same. Uh, the film is described as a modern day movie musical about the making of a network TV special. Uh, throughout the movie's production numbers and rehearsal chaos, Parton finds herself taking a private journey into her past. Guided by mysterious appearances of her personal three wise mountain men, uh, the film will include a pair of uh, Parton's iconic songs nine to five and i will always love you as well as a new holiday melody oh man would it be kind of fucked up if uh the gambler was one of her wise mountain men i mean but would he's the, dead would so that be kind of i, I know that's it. what i'm saying if they had somebody dress up as him it would be interesting i'm just wondering is billy ray gonna be one that's a great I question i mean is billy ray a wise mountain man yeah. and will he have a mullet yeah <laughs> Very interesting, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, now I'm really curious as to who the three wise mountain men will be. That's uh, I'm all in on this one. Uh, Sony, let's jump over to Sony, and it's not Spider-Man related. Nick Offerman from Parks and Recreation, you know him, you love him, and Tyler Ryder are the latest names to have joined the stacked cast of Sony's movie, Dumb Money. The film stars an ensemble cast, including Paul Dano, Seth Rogen, Sebastian Stan, Pete Davidson, Shailene Woodley, Dane DeHaan, Vincent D'Onfrio, Anthony Ramos, American Ferrara, and Mahila Harold. That's a big cast. That is. The film tells the story of the fortunes made and lost overnight in the David vs. Goliath GameStop short squeeze that impacted Wall Street. You guys remember, that was just a few months ago. Currently in production, the film is being directed by Craig Gillespie. Yes, yes. A few months ago, you mean a year ago during the pandemic. But few yes, months, for, few months, for, whatever. For sure, for <laughs> sure. At Amazon MGM, Sue Carroll has been named the head of marketing for Amazon Studios after serving as a lead consultant 
on the streamer's extensive rollout campaign for the first season of Lord of the Rings The Ring of Power. As part of her new role, multiple series and films in production and development at uh, Kroll uh, & Company Entertainment Banner will move to Amazon under their first look deal, Makes of sense. course. Kroll begins her position with Amazon Studios effective immediately. Uh, she will report directly to Amazon Studios chief uh, Jennifer Salke. Now, before launching her own production house back in 2018, Kroll served as a long time 10-year professional as president of a worldwide marketing and distribution for the one and only Warner Brothers Pictures back when it was a better place before a devil names Asloff. <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. But I'm interested to see what they do because Netflix and fucking Amazon are always these ones that are wild cards. So yeah. We'll yeah. see. I just want to say huge kudos though to Jennifer Sulky. Mm -hmm. While it's not a major yet, you know, it's not a Disney, it's it's not a Paramount, you know, and not a Warner Brothers yet. Amazon is a studio and she is doing a fantastic job leading the studio. Yep. So if there were any doubt, can a woman lead a studio? Yes, mm -hmm. and she's doing a good job. So congrats to her. Uh, okay, let's jump over to the other wild card, Netflix, and talk about wild card. Here we go, guys and gals. Netflix launched its ad tier plan this week. Have you signed up for it? <laughs> and several popular series are missing from the streamer's library due to licensing restrictions, including House of Cards and Arrested Development. Now, while the titles still appear in the Discover tab and the search function, they're locked. Mm. A small lock icon appears in the top right corner to indicate you don't have it. The basic with ad plans do not have access. As expected, several other series are also not available with the ad tier, including Peaky Blinders, New Girl, The Magicians, The Last Kingdom, The Sinner, Good Girls, Queen of South, The Good Place, and Friday Night Lights. So basically, any show that you're going to Netflix for is not included in the free ad shit. Yeah. It just, just get used to it because everything we just listed is the only reason people go to Netflix to watch. I mean, what the fuck? Netflix executives had already indicated that about 5 to 10% of the programming would be missing from the basic with ads at the tier launch, though up until now it hadn't been clear which titles would be impacted. Yeah, because they tried to keep it secret that it's all the titles that matter. Like, yeah, I mean, they, they didn't let it slide that it was the big ones that you go to binge, man. Like, what the fuck? Nobody's gonna do the ad-supported tier if they can't watch the only shows they go to fucking watch. No, like, that's oh my pretty God. stupid. stupid. Uh, well, The Witcher has been renewed for the fourth season by Netflix, though the hit fantasy series will be missing one familiar face, the one that matters, Henry Cavill. <laughs> He will be exiting the production after the upcoming third season debuts, with Liam Hemsworth set to take over as the lead role of Geralt of Rivia. Cavill has starred as the monster hunter Geralt on Witch The Witcher since the Netflix series debuted in 2019. The show's upcoming third season, which has set a release date window of summer of 2023, will now be the actor's last with the series, both Hemsworth and Cavill uh, also released statements uh, reading into the tone of both statements. Um, the decision seems to be amicable passing the torch, so we shall see how it continues forward. It will be interesting to see, though, how they make that old switcheroo. Uh, yeah, and you know what? This just says to me all the rumors that we are hearing over and over about how many slated films that Henry Cavill will now be in for Superman yeah, I th I think this leads credence to For they're sure. they're probably all true. Yeah, he's probably stepping away from this because he's going to be so active.
actively involved a shit ton of Superman films, he won't have time. So it makes sense. It's good news. It's bad news for Witcher fans, but it definitely seems like it's great news for Superman <laughs> exactly. fans. Exactly. Um, time isn't up for the Sandman. Guess what? Netflix ordering more episodes of the hit fantasy show adapted from Neil Gaiman's seminal DC comic series. Netflix is calling the forthcoming installment a continuation of the Sandman world, which will expand in the next episodes. Episode count and story details are still being kept. You know it. You love it. Under wraps. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, Guy Ritchie's series follow-up to The Gentleman at Netflix has set its main cast. Joining previously announced series uh, led Theo James in the series will be Kayla Scalinaro, um, Daniel Ings, uh, Jolie Richardson, uh, Gina Carlo Esposito, oh. uh, Peter Savarsikovic, um, and Vinnie Jones, and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch star uh, of Vinnie Jones. That guy. Uh, the yeah. role will <laughs> see uh, Jones and Richie reunite for the first time since Snatch, uh, which debuted in tw- uh, 2000. Per Netflix, the series is set in the same world as the Gentleman film, but will also feature an entirely new cast of characters. Production begins in the UK on November 7th. James stars as Eddie, described as the estranged son of the in- uh, English escort uh, who inherits the family pile. Now, only to discover that the sting on top of the biggest wheat farm in Europe. So it's going to be very interesting. The Gentleman was a great movie. Yeah, so, I, I loved mean, it. With Matthew McConaughey, I thought it was fantastic. So I'm interested to see how they continue that story now. For sure. Um, This one, I, I, honestly, I've never seen it. I don't know anything about it. I uh, The only reason I even know what it is is because Emily, as a really itty-bitty little girl, had the dolls. Otherwise, I wouldn't have a clue. Fate the Winks Saga canceled at Netflix after what they always love to do, two seasons. The series originally debuted on Netflix in January of 2021, with season two launching in September of 2022. Season one consisted of just six episodes, while season two was made up of seven. The series is a live-action reimagining of the Italian cartoon Winx Club. Before this news, Fate, the Winx Club saga, appeared to be a success story for Netflix. During the September 5th through 11th viewing window, uh, season two debuted on the Netflix Top 10 as the second most watched viewed English language TV title and the third most watched title overall with only Cobra Kai and Narco Saints outranking it. So as usual, Netflix takes their hit shows and cancels them after two seasons. Exactly, man. It makes no freaking (laughs) sense. Uh, But Netflix has announced uh, six upcoming natural history documentary series starting with our universe. Narrated by the one only Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Freeman, Uh, On November 22nd, (laughs) uh, the show all focuses on different aspects of the natural world from an expansive look into the universe's origins to life on planet earth and how oceans operate and exist additional new series including a continuation of 2019's our planet with our planet 2 a natural historian david attenborough is once again slated to narrate this new series Netflix said more than 100 million households have watched the original Our Planet since it was released back in April of 2019. Cool. Yeah. All right. Anything with Morgan Freeman and David Attenborough, I think, are both going to be successful. For sure. Uh, Okay. Jumping over to Apple and a huge hit for Apple, Severance. You guys know it. You love it. Well, it's added eight new cast members for season two. The Apple series is cast Gwendolyn Christie, Ilya Sakwat, Bob Babylon, Merritt Weaver, Robbie Benson. Oh, the Beast. Okay. And Ice Castles. Fantastic. Stefano Carinanti, John Noble, Fringe fame, and uh, Olafur Dari Alafasan. 
Okay. Sure. They joined returning season one stars Adam Scott, Patricia Arquette, John Turturro, Britt Lauer, Zach Cherry, Dishan Lachman, Jen Tolick, Tramel Tillman, Michael Cherenis, and Christopher Walken. The castings come as principal photography has already begun on the second season of the Emmy-winning mystery thriller series. Mm. So that's a that's a huge cast. That's a lot of additions to an already big cast. Exactly, man. Completely agree. Well, rounding out the industry news, director Greg Berlanti has been tapping. That's, oh, no, oh, whoa, let's whoa, just, whoa. Let's let's <laughs> let's restart. Director Greg Berlanti has tapped Ray Romano to join the cast of Project Artemis, the Apple original film's production that stars Scarlett Johansson, Channing Tatum. Now we're going to have to put a disclaimer on the bottom of this show so he doesn't sue the shit out of us. Ray Romano or Greg Berlanti. Yeah, either one. Please, it was a misspeak. It was a misspeak. Jim Rash. It's a 1960s space race pick, and it is a scripted by Rose <laughs> Glory. <laughs> Belanti is producing with Johansson and her at these pictures cohorts. Uh, Jonathan Leah and Keenan Flynn. Apple won the package in a big auction. Wow! I'm crying. Oh, that was that was a lot. That was a lot, man. I don't. Hey, know. everybody loves Raymond, even Greg Berlanti. Oh I mean, I'm just... big fan, big fan. Oh boy, Ooh. that's funny. That's good shit. Yeah, um, yeah, guys. Now it is time for our guest segment, and oh boy, we have the one, the only Jesse Arthur Carroll coming on the show to get a little crazy to talk about voice acting and a new project that he has out on Netflix right now that you're not gonna want to miss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I'm still just <laughs> thinking about Berlanti tapping Ray. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Guys, this is a fantastic interview. You guys are going to love it. He smiles throughout because he has such a passion for what he does. He gives phenomenal advice about the importance of knowing why you're getting into an acting career and what not to do, as well as the similarities and uh, differences between voice acting and on-camera acting. It's a really, really great interview for all you up-and-comers. Most most definitely, man. Most definitely. Well, here it is. Jesse Carroll, welcome inside the Crazy Ant Farm, man. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. Good to be here. How's it going? Oh, fantastic, man. Living the dream. Living the dream. Hell yeah. <laughs> nice. For sure, man. Where are you located right now? Uh, I'm in New York City right now. I'm up there. Uh, the big, big Apple. Apple. Yeah. We love it. We big love Apple. it. We're a big uh, Frank Sinatra fan. So every time we hear New York City, <laughs> we're like, New York, New York. Um, That's right. I've never started an interview off with singing to our guests. So you're welcome. That was, that was spectacular. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could hear angels cry in the background. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The first official serenade. It's yeah. Like, yeah you, know, right. you know, you felt special. So I just wanted to I convey I that. <laughs> I, w- I would duet, but you don't want to hear me sing. It's not, no, there's no. <laughs> I didn't do now, actually. <laughs> no, 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 no. Exactly. Oh, exactly. hey, man, uh, if you let me get drunk and get in front of a karaoke machine, we're all in. It's, it's good to go, but you know. <laughs> let you get drunk i would be right there with you sir <laughs> Hell like, yeah. give me one second That's right. one second but man what we like to do at the very beginning of the podcast because the show is made for the up-and-comers trying to break into the entertainment industry so we like yeah. to introduce you to our audience let us know how you got started was it something you always wanted to do or you just kind of fall into it 
Yeah. I mean, you know, like a lot of people my age, uh, first thing that kind of introduced me into like acting entertainment business was Star Wars. And Hell I, wanted, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to be a Jedi. And my parents were like, that's not like a thing. That's like something's <laughs> job. Like that's an actor. I'm like, you can do that as a job. I'm in. So from that time on, I just wanted to be an actor. And then um, I got an uncle who's an actor as well. And when I was like, I think like maybe like seven or eight years old, he was on this old show called Wise Guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You know the Wise Guy? I, yeah, I remember, like, yeah. Yeah, he had like one line. It was like, Luca caught a rocket or something like that. Like, <laughs> the Wise Guy came on. And I was like, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. And then, uh, yeah, I just grew up and moved out of home and uh, ended up in Vancouver, Canada. And started getting into acting then. Yeah. Very nice. And I mean, that seems to be kind of like a hub right now. I mean, when you start thinking about filmmaking, you think Los Angeles, New York, now Atlanta, and also Vancouver. So those are always like the four good meccas to where to be. So good for you, man. Yeah, thanks. So yeah, Vancouver took its course and then ended up uh, wanting to try my luck in the Big Apple. And here I am. So Hell yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. And yeah, I mean, with being in the Big Apple, you know, it's really big in theater performances. So have you ever dabbled in theater or was that something you were ever interested in? Long time ago, I did like a little bit of theater. Yeah. Um, but like, I'd love to do theater here in New York. I oh, haven't hell yeah. yet, but yeah, it's definitely, definitely a, a mountain I want to climb. It's time sure. to bring a Jedi to the stage. That's all I'm saying. Like, you know, I recently saw Daniel Craig do Macbeth, Macbeth on Broadway. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. But it was like such an untraditional way of doing it. And they were like ad-libbing and one like halfway through right after Macbeth kills, like, you know, um, the family is said that whatever the king is staying in his place. Right. The actors are playing different roles. So the actor playing the role of the king undresses and becomes like this order or whatever. <laughs> I don't know about that well. I don't know. Sorry. Anyway, he looks out of the audience. He comes crawling out in this new outfit, looks out at the audience and goes, there's a lot of you fuckers, isn't there? I, <laughs> I lose it. I'm losing it. Nice. My face, like grabbed my hand. She's like, dude, you're going to get us kicked out. You got to shut the fuck up. And I'm like howling. So hard, and like there were all the, the cast is on stage, kind of like what the hell? I think I started like a laugh wave going on, but yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I love it. I feel like theater is a great place for improvisation. So I mean, if they were real hardcore actors, they'd be able to play off that shit. So that's great. A hundred percent. But I think like listen, like when Shakespeare was originally done, it wasn't like as serious as people take it. No, away. Yeah, exactly. They were like joking around a lot of time. There's humor written in the script, and it was nice to see a production that actually put humor into it. For sure. And you get I that I don't think they got it, thought that they were going to get as much laughs off of it as they did that night. But. Yeah, but that's the great thing, too, about it. You get that instant reaction from the audience. You know, it's not like yeah. a film or television where you got to wait to find out what the ratings were, or, you know, hear the reviews or whatever. And theater, it's like, boom, is it working or not working? You got it, you know? Yeah, 100%. I did, um, did stand up comedy for like a decade. Oh, wow. Was man. Like, yeah, it was, it was wild. Uh, that was one of the things of all the times, like, you do super good. And right when you think you're never going to bomb again, you bomb, crash hard. In front of like <laughs> exactly. Hundreds of people are like, oh my God, my life sucks. But that's the one thing that will always make you come back is just like getting like that instant hit of laughs. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. And that's actually yeah. very interesting that you say that because uh, I'm really big into um, 
Tom Segura and Burt Kreischer's podcast right now, so I listen to a lot of their stuff. So, I mean, I can only imagine, like, I'm an anxious person, I'm not going to lie to you, so the anxiety of going up on stage <laughs> and fucking basically trying to pour out your life in a funny, strategic way, I mean, what was that experience like? I'm always very curious. Yeah, um, well, the first time I did it, mm -hmm. uh, I did it on like it was like my 27th birthday or something like that. It was at this place called Yuck Yucks. It's like this uh, comedy club chain in Canada. Okay, I was working as a bartender upstairs, and there would always be comedians that would come in to like talk to me and like sit at like the bar and just have drinks and shit. I was chatting with them one day, and uh, they're like, "Yeah, you should try it." So I. On my birthday, I got a set together, went down, brought a bunch of friends, and they're like, Well, listen, you don't just show up and go on stage. <laughs> right. <laughs> we got to know you. And they're like, But you brought some people. I'm like, Yeah. They're like, You really want to do this? I'm like, Yeah. And they're like, Okay, uh, come on backstage. And they introduced me to some of the comics. And they're like, This is your first time ever? I'm like, Yeah. They're like, Oh, you're going to bomb so hard. <laughs> and they're like, This is going to be awesome. They all went front stage to watch me bomb. <laughs> and I, I go out and there's like this this like uh, curtain like from the green room and it goes right onto the stage. Mm -hmm. So you open the curtain, you're out there and you're in front of like 300 people. And I've never done this before. And I've got like my set, I've got it all planned out in my head. <laughs> I go and I try to grab the mic and take it out of the mic stand. Couldn't do it. I'm like, oh, oh, uh, oh no. <laughs> so then I just pick up the mic stand and I just went to like autopilot and I got some laughs. Like I, for a beginner, like, yeah, yeah. that I did pretty good. The next like four or five sets I had after that, Tank, but the first time <laughs> I was set, uh -huh. I kept doing it for like a decade after that. But the first time on stage, I think, is less nerve wracking than when you start getting paid to do it. Because oh. when you start getting paid to do it, and you've got like 300 people in the audience, you can't have an off night. Yeah, you're sure. Be good, and like you're on stage for like minimum 20 minutes. So if you're not doing well, there's nowhere to go. Yeah, exactly. You're kind of stuck there for that time frame. <laughs> Shit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was in, I was in New Zealand. I was doing comedy in New Zealand and they have this awesome club there. Um, I completely forget the name of it. But it's, not, it's the only club they have in New Zealand. They only have one. It's in, in Auckland, New Zealand. Um, and uh, yeah, it's great. Um, I was getting paid to do a set one night there and I was supposed to do, I think 20 minutes and I was like middling. And um, yeah, I think I got to about eight minutes of it because New Zealanders, like the, they, it throws you off because they're not like big laughers like Americans, right. and Canadians. They like something that was kind of like hmm. <laughs> just a little chuckle, just a little yeah. chuckle. Yeah. They'll like smile a lot. They'll smile and nod and be like, hmm. yeah. like, you're not getting like already. You're not getting a lot of laughs. And right. I was like I was taking it personally, and I was like, oh, man, like, fuck. I was trying to go to the crowd and do some crowd work. They're just staring at me. They're not participating. I was like, oh my god. I got to about eight minutes, and I was like, you know what? Thanks so much, guys. Not my night. I went off. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. That's hilarious. But I mean, you were able to overcome that shit. Look at you now, man. Look at you now. You still look yeah, 27. Yeah. So let let that be a thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> It does take, though. I think, I mean, there's a vulnerability to being up on stage, whether it's theater or doing comedy or whatever. I mean, it takes a lot of guts to get out there and, and put yourself in front of 300 people for an immediate reaction. I mean, so it's, it's something that not a lot of people can do. So, you know, whether you fail or bomb, you did it. And there's not a lot of people I feel like have the guts enough to get up there and do it. So, 100%. There's a secret to it. Okay. A lot of beer <laughs> yes you'll go on stage and just don't think about it just there like you go. Just super ignorant and be like whatever happens i'm gonna be up here for five minutes that's right, Actually, right. I get it. 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. But I mean, we have to mention because your voice is everywhere in the country, if not the world. So how did you get started in voice acting? It's something that I always wanted to get into. Yeah. It's funny because like when I first started getting into it, I got into a way that I never really thought that it was a way that you could make a living using your voice. My whole thing at first was I wanted to get into animation and video games right. and all that. But I took quite a bit of a different path. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was working at a nightclub and I was supplementing like my acting career because it was just kind of like just getting it going. Right. Sure. And, um, <laughs> I, I was dating a girl at the time and we got into arguments because she didn't think that I like made enough money and we ended up I, I broke, broke up over it. We ended up breaking up over it. Yeah. 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 So I was like, I am going to handle this part of my life. <laughs> I started watching YouTube videos on like how I could do like um, voiceovers from home. I went out and bought some equipment and spent like the first four hours of every day just learning how to record good audio. I had like a, like, like a, um, kind of like a den, like a little office space that mm-hmm. I did out with like, you know, acoustic foam. And then I started recording like every day, whenever I could, I started doing this one website called Fiverr. I don't mm-hmm. use it anymore. But, like when I first started, I was doing like 400 words, which is a fair amount for five bucks. And I didn't really care about the money. I was just right. doing it to learn how to do it. So then like, Oh my God, like maybe like four months, mm-hmm. I turned like $5 gigs into like making like quite a bit. Um, and then changed my whole life around like in six months. So that's awesome. I mean, that determination, it's kind of like, I guess, comedy in the sense of the more reps you do, the better you're getting. And I mean, with you putting in that time and dedication, I feel like that's something that the up and comers will take away from this interview. You know, you have to set a time, set aside time for yourself every day for this craft that you say you love. So you have to, you know, flex those muscles a little bit and to try to make sure that you continue to grow as you continue to grow older as well. So, I mean, it's something, you know, you have to dedicate your time to. And I think that's very important. Yeah, hundred percent. I just looked at it as like, listen, every morning, like what do a lot of people do? Usually they have their coffee, they'll watch the news, just do some bullshit that doesn't really do anything. Right. That's right. Like what you could be doing is just looking at like what your dream is, what you want to do, plan out that first hour, two hours of your day, which are just like, you know, you're not really doing a whole lot anyway, or get up early if you are. And then just start working towards that. And YouTube University is like the best thing out there. <laughs> Literally. Literally. You can figure out how to do anything on YouTube. Everybody yeah. has how to on every single subject. That's and exactly that, right. Yeah. If anybody is listening and wants to get into voiceover, what I would say is literally go to a guy named Bill DeWeese. He has a YouTube um, site and he tells you literally in short videos how to get started in uh, voiceover. And that's what I watched. That and there's this other guy named Booth Junkie and he teaches you how to put together um, a home studio. Those oh, the wow. First, you, first two things you need to do and then you get into like online casting or get an agent. I'd recommend getting online casting first. And then just start putting in your reps and just doing as many auditions as you can. Nice. And start figuring it out that way. Exactly. And what would you say, like, how important is the money at first? Would you say, you know, would to try to get more gigs rather than look for the paying jobs? Or how would you say that for the up and comers trying to break into it? Yeah, I honestly, like, even now, I don't even, if I ever, like, think about how much a job could pay me in, like, an audition, I'll screw it up. Yeah. You have to, like... All you have to do is just try to do the best job you can on every single one, no matter how much they pay. Because I can't tell you how many times I've done an audition and I didn't get the job, but they came back and like, listen, that audition was so good. Mm-hmm. We got right. this other game. And then they just give it to you. Yeah. You don't even have an audition for that one. They're like, we just liked you so much. We're just going to give you that job. 
And that's because the audition is the job. We've had so many of our guests yeah. say, you know, the you work is the audition. And then if you get the gig, that's just the bonus. But your job is to audition and audition and audition. And like you said, you know, if you do your best, somebody's going to see it at some point. You're going to get something from it. You know, you always got to go in with that attitude and go, hey, I didn't get this gig, but I'm going to get one. So, you know, that I think that's the right approach, man. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And uh, it's funny, like, uh, so Backroad Truckers, the show that I narrate is on Hulu right now. Um, I got that because I, I didn't get another gig that they were doing. They, were, they got another one called Rust Valley Restores. Yeah, and it was yeah. between me and another uh, VO who was extremely talented named Michael Dangerfield. And it was down between the two of us. And he ended up getting it. And I was kind of um, working under him and helping at his school called On the Mic in Vancouver. And I was kind of bummed at first. But then like a year later, I got that audition. And then not only did I get that audition, but the producers actually sent a note to my agent saying like, listen, we really like his voice for this. And if there's anything that he needs to know, give us a call. And I like, I was like so prepared for this audition. Right. I got this. I got this. And I laid it. I, I worked on it so hard and I sent it in and then I got a call back for it. They had me come into the studio and uh, yeah, they they told me that they thought that I was pretty much the guy. Before I even started recording, they just wanted to see if I could take direction. Nice. And that was like the first time I'd ever narrated a show. So I was like a little nervous. That's. But uh, I asked a buddy of mine who works a lot, and he was like, just don't look desperate, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Good advice. Good advice. But it's not just VO stuff, it's not just voice acting. You're in front of the yeah. camera as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you got a you got a short film coming up, right? Yeah, that's right. right. Let's, let's talk about it. <laughs> Smoke Eater. We want to talk about Smoke Eater. Smoke Eater. It sounds like New a, Hampshire. Yeah, go ahead. Yo, you you the New Hampshire Film Festival. Um, it's basically it's a day in the life of a female firefighter in 1981. She brings her kid to work, and uh, it's their experience throughout the day. So I play Kurt, who uh, is seemingly a very nice guy, and ends up being not so. Uh, nice <laughs> <guy>. <laughs> what you not a nice guy? What? Right? I mean, I can't see that at all. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, just I mean, the thought of that, you know, especially back in the '80s, or I mean, decades away from this current time period, when the female representation in those type of masculine jobs wasn't necessarily there always. And does that play into it a little bit? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, obviously they wanted to like sort of show everybody these days, like what it would look like back then. Right. And one thing that was important to me and to the director as well, is that Kurt was played like as if he didn't think that he was doing anything wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, I don't want to like, I don't know how to see it, but Basically, there's a scene where um, the lead character is like, we're, we're all going to bed and we're in the bunkhouse and all that. It's nighttime and the lead character is getting ready to go to bed and I you know, tell her to come sleep in my bed and I take my shirt off and I grab her and all that kind of stuff. Right. <laughs> I always thought, like, especially at that day and time, this guy, he doesn't even know what a piece of shit that he's being at the time. Right. You know I mean? We've come a long way, but there's still people like that. You know, like, I mean the former American president thinks he can just grab women by the private parts. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so many like instances like that where back then it was acceptable, I guess you could say by like society. And it didn't, it took nearly, you know, 
I don't know, so many years before they even started calling people out for it until the Me Too movement really happened because yeah. a lot of women felt like they didn't have voices to express their thoughts and opinions and feelings, how like this was traumatizing them throughout their whole life. So yeah, I think it's going to be a very important story in that aspect and be able to shed some light on things and give respect to those women who lived through those times and came out on the other side being able to talk about it and talk about their experiences to try to prevent that for happening in the future yeah 100 percent. i think one of the really cool things about the way that it's shot too is that gloria the director she she filmed it so it's it's not really showing like an opinion about what's going on one way or the other okay you just kind of feel like you're sitting in the back seat just watching as this day progresses yeah yeah you have your own feelings about it and it it can be uncomfortable at times yeah you know? It's a really good piece of art. I'm really proud of that. Oh, dude, sounds amazing. And I love the approach that she had that where you say, you know, play it like he doesn't really, he's doing anything wrong, right? Because yeah. I think that was the case. I think that, that back then and even nowadays, sometimes it, it's that this is the culture. This is how they were brought up and they don't really yeah. think they're doing anything wrong. Yeah. This is just how a man acts and this is how he, you know, he does it. And exactly. that's that that's even more scary than the ones who realize they're doing something wrong and do it. It's the ones that think it's just normal, that this is how I was raised. This is how, how it goes. And this is what a man is. And, and like, that's even more terrifying. So I, I like the approach that you, that she says, go with that and say hey this guy's just doing what he does he doesn't even realize so yeah that's exactly. fantastic makes him 10 times more scary too. Exactly. exactly exactly and you know we're we are filmmakers ourselves uh, we have a production company so i'm always so curious about the behind the scenes aspects where was it shot and how long did it take you to shoot this whole process yeah we did it over a weekend okay. it was shot in uh, Langley, British Columbia. So just kind of outside of Vancouver. That's cool. Um, sort of like smaller area um, at a real fire station. So. Nice. Yeah. I love yeah. that. And I mean, just to be able to be in that environment, I'm sure you, you as an actor and as a professional can take a lot of inspiration just from your surroundings, you know, just from being in an actual fire station. I can only imagine, you know, yeah. watching different types of those procedural shows and being like, okay, this is the time period. This is the way they conduct themselves and all of these different things. And then being in the environment, like I said, I'm sure that was really good for you. Well, and what about the, like the behind the, the voice acting and then in front of the camera. So do you get very animated when you're doing the voice acting? Cause you've got that freedom of not having the camera on you, right? You can just kind of have it yeah. and you just go for it. But when the camera's on yeah. you, literally everything you do is like, you know, picked up even the smallest face exaggeration is like gigantified, right? So gigantic. Is that even a word? It, it is, is now. Word now. <laughs> <Or> now. <laughs> That's right. So, did, was there a transition there where you like? Did you have to tame it down a little, or did you just kind of like explain that a little bit? You know, I'm still like acting's a work in progress. I'm still learning to like tame it down. But sometimes, you know, like sometimes you're taming it down too much. Like, there's a lot yeah. of acting these days, especially in procedurals, where people are just kind of talking heads and they get like yeah, serious. yeah. Like, Where did Comanche go? Really <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. But like, I'm just, I, I'm just trying to be as authentic and real and acting as I can be. Right. There you go. And if you just think about like when you're talking to somebody, a lot of the time, like you know, you just we're just talking. Exactly. Right? Yep. But if your natural, if your natural state is to be more animated and all that, then use it if it works in the role. 
you know? Yep. And I, I'm, a, I'm more of an animated person. I've always been in my life, even before the whole thing. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, before this, we were going back and looking at your Instagram and you cracking up dying on some of your reads. I think it's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Heck yeah. Yeah, I got to do more of those. It was fun to post that I mean, that's good content, man. I mean, it brings the realism, you know, out of the actual, like, profession. And I think that's something that a lot of people like to see. They like to see it, you know, not so cut and dry, one, two, three, four, but, you know, add a little bit of spice here and there. Yeah, because, shit, it's supposed to be fun, right? I mean, if if you're not having fun doing it, why the hell are you doing it, right? It is, honestly, like, voice acting and acting especially voice acting for me it's it's meditative it's super fun you get to act like an idiot by yourself <laughs> yeah like, you know it's 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 a completely different thing for me than than in front of the camera act for, for sure. sure yeah well, that's awesome man and i mean i gotta say thank you so much for coming on the show because this is really going to help a lot of up-and-comers you know keep their head down and keep grinding forward because you know a lot of people get you know deceived by a lot of things and get down on their luck and different stuff like that but your positivity and your motivation and your dedication to the craft i think is going to be very inspiring for for everyone listening to this interview awesome thanks for saying that oh of course man we're always here to build people up so anytime you ever want to come back on the show you're more than welcome just reach out to us you got my email and you got my uh instagram and stuff now so bro anytime you want to come back on we're open for it hell yeah That'd be awesome. Thanks so much. No problem, man. We hope you have a great rest of your night, and we'll be talking to you soon, brother. Thanks, guys. All right, Thank man. You, brother. Take care. Oh, man. That was good. Yeah, dude. He, he's just upbeat and happy. You exactly. can just see it. Like, you know, and I love that. Anybody who does an interview in the entire time, it's just like a huge smile. Yeah. Like the entire time. You know they love what they do, and they're having a good time, and that's the best kind, man. Yeah, because, I mean, that's really what you take away from it is that he's a lover of the craft. No yeah. matter what aspect he's doing, he's just enjoying the process, and that's really what it's about in the entertainment industry. Whatever you're doing, if you're an actor behind the scenes or, like, conducting a whole bunch of different stuff, as long as you enjoy the process and enjoy who you're working with, that's what it's all about. Hell yeah. And another piece of advice that we've heard from so many guests, and again in this interview, it's not about the money. Nope. If you're doing it about the money, it's never going to be successful. Don't worry about the money. Just do what you do. Do your best at it. The money will come. Exactly. It's, I mean, I, I just think I love when they say that because it's so true. I think people go into it for the wrong reasons. And every time we have a guest on to reiterate, it's not about the money. It's about the art. Have fun doing it. Best advice you can give, man. Exactly, exactly. Thank you again, Jesse, for coming on the show. Oh, man. Now it is time for the top five segment. And this week is top five films that scared us, which, I mean, we did have to go back to the childhood because yeah. there was a lot of films that don't scare us nowadays. So it's one of those where you're like, okay, think back when I was literally scared and like didn't want to turn off the lights and that type of situation. So had to jump in that mindset but number yeah. five for me goes to 1408 now this is a john krasinski film uh not a lot of people know about it unless you live through that time when it came out uh, a lot of younger people don't know about it john krasinski samuel L. jackson and it's in this room basically where the it's a haunted room and you basically can't get out and you don't know whether you're alive or dead and all this fucking crazy shit you always hear horror stories about hotels and hotel rooms where bad shit happens especially fucking greg berlanti tapping ray romano i mean that's pretty bad (laughs) um but uh, this one right here it was very scary when i first watched it so 
I think it's definitely worth a watch. Definitely check it out. 1408. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah, scary shit in the hotel rooms. That's not been no kidding. Um, my number five. Uh, d- guys, this film, I wasn't a wee youngin. I was a bit younger than I am now, but it still was scary as shit. That cat and that kid scared the shit out of me. I'm talking about Pet Cemetery. okay? When Church comes back and he's doing that... I didn't want to go near my fucking cat. I was like, fuck no. Anytime my cat would purr, I'm like, oh shit, oh shit. Um, this is a scary ass movie. If you guys aren't familiar with it, Stephen King, and uh, basically, the it's a pet. It's about a pet cemetery, and they bury these these pets, and they come back to life, but they're fucking evil and demonic and shit. Well. Uh, this family's young son gets fucking nailed by an 18-wheeler, and they bury him in the pet cemetery, and he comes back to life as a fucking demonic child who looks a lot like a young Prince George. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Just go. You look at the pictures, okay? You you decide for yourself, but he does. Um, It's creepy as shit. Like, the, the thought of burying somebody and them coming back as, like, demonic killer, like, people, it's fucking terrifying. I mean, everybody wants to bring back somebody they've lost, but not like that. No, um, no. That's, that's definitely an experience right there. Yeah, no, and like I said, the reason it scared me is because I literally, if I'm sitting at home, at you know, trying to go to bed and the lights are all off and I hear my cat. I'm like, oh fuck! It just, it just scared the shit out of me. Like, exactly, man. Exactly. Uh, number four for both of us. Uh, I think it was less scary, but more on the edge of our seats. And this yeah. was one of the films that was. I mean, there we haven't seen a lot of those recently. So we're talking about a quiet place. Uh, I mean, John Krasinski did an amazing job with this one. And there's literally like only two or three pages of dialogue throughout this whole thing. And it was still very freaking entertaining. But just to the anticipation, I think that's what kept us on the edge of our seats to see the monster too. You know, we all have had nightmares and dreams about this type of situation to where like you can't do a certain movement or you can't make a certain sound or or something will come after you and get you or find you and all these things. And I think this film brought that to existence. So I think that's why it popped up on both of our lists yeah for sure i mean one of the most terrifying scenes the most intense on the edge of your state is when she's given birth in that bathtub but can't make a fucking sound while she's doing it like you ever seen a woman try to give birth without making noise i mean holy shit and you're right like i think the one thing that they did the best that keeps you on the edge of the seat and sometimes it's more scary more terrifying with what you don't see yeah as opposed to what you see and it's a long time without seeing what they're terrified of. And I think that always goes to make a good movie when you're terrified by something you can't see. Um, So yeah, it's a great, if you haven't checked it out, what the fuck, get ready. The third one's coming. Come on. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Number three for me is actually a newer one. Literally just came out a couple weeks ago and it is smile. A lot of people were talking about how this one was actually scary. And we were like, yeah, but I actually went and saw it and, the anticipation of everything and just the the subtleness. They did really well with not over scaring or not over using jump scares. It was the slightest things like little tiny like voices you would hear. It'd be like, was that a real voice or was I just imagining things? And like 
the creepiness of not knowing if something was real or not. So I thought this was a brilliant film. Definitely well done for the Halloween season, the spooky season. Uh, so definitely check that one out. I really enjoyed it. For sure. My number three is a franchise, and I've loved every one of them so far, but I'm going to go with the original Insidious. Yeah. Shit. 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 Yeah. This movie is about another family, Rose Byrne. I, I just love her. She's, she's fantastic. Um, About a young son who falls into a coma and then is stuck in the limbo world and his body is possessed by an evil being. Yeah. You know, and the dad has to go in after him and try to get him out and everything. It's fucking terrifying. Again, we, the things we do for our kids, but holy shit, it was terrifying. And I don't know what's more scary in this. The creepy, like, demonic thing that's, like, inhabiting the, the kid's body and that they're fighting inside the, the limbo world or whatever. Or the fucking exorcist woman. <laughs> I think she's terrible. <laughs> she was more scary than the fucking demon. I mean, she's a great actress, but she and she's been in a lot of different stuff. But, um, yeah, she scared the shit out of me. I'm just like, man, I think I'd rather stay possessed. I right. mean, this woman is terrifying. Okay. But, um... <laughs> If you haven't checked it out, it's a great franchise. Give it a watch. I, I think you'll be really – and James Wan is the guy behind it, the mastermind, the conjuring and, like, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it only makes sense. He's pretty good at horror. Most definitely, <laughs> man. Most definitely. Number two for me goes to the Blair Witch Project. This, just like A Quiet Place, it's the anticipation. It's, did I hear something? Did, was was that – was the horror story true? You know, you never see a witch the whole time. And I was just literally on the edge of my seat, watched it in the dark like turned off all the lights it was nighttime i did not want to leave the room um absolutely <laughs> terrifying but this was the one and only type of this filmmaking that you should ever do in my opinion i did not like any of the paranormal activities or that fucking one where it was like a monster this guy like escaping his house and like a big ass monster and he's recording it on his fucking thing yeah. i hate that type of filmmaking but the original one with that type is good so the blair witch project definitely check it out it made me like actually research did this shit actually happen <laughs> yeah so, and 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 listen guys yeah it spawned a shit ton of copycat movies but uh it's a huge massive success story for hollywood because this movie was basically shot for like nothing and literally made hundreds of millions of dollars it's, it's the yeah. way to do it um not that don't don't do the live camera follow shit i just mean dirt cheap make a lot of money yeah. that's the way to do it um I have a theme going here, and my number two, I am diving all the way back to my childhood, and um, it's Linda Blair. It's the fucking demonic head spinning when she's possessed, and she jumps out of the bed, and the, the fucking priest is like with the car. The exorcist. Holy shit. It terrified me as a kid that somebody, that a demon could get into a body and do that shit to somebody, and like... Even the priest can't fight it. Like, no. Like, if you haven't seen this movie, I, one, I can't believe you haven't seen it, but just that scene. Linda Blair is fucking unbelievably terrifying in this movie, but that scene where her head fucking spins around and she's not talking all like, oh my fucking God. I didn't sleep for like months. I was just terrified. I'm like, does this really happen? And then... Yeah, some people really believe that exorcisms and, and demonic possessions happen. And there's like lots of proof out there and different. So 
like you said, it's terrifying when you start doing the research to see, is this real? Is this not real? Does this happen or not happen? And, and, and just whatever your beliefs are, the movie's fucking terrifying. So um, go back and don't watch it with the kids. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. But like, if you want a good scare... The Exorcist with Linda Blair. Holy shit. Most definitely, man. Most definitely. Number one for me goes to probably the first scary movie I ever watched. And I mean, of course, that makes an impact on you when you're a child. And I'm talking about It, Tim Curry's television movie, It. We had the DVD growing up, and you had to literally flip sides from, you know, the child stuff and then the fucking (laughs) kid stuff back when you had DVDs and had to fucking flip them and shit. Uh, But I loved it, though, because... One, clowns were already scary as fuck, and my brother hated them, and I thought it was hilarious to watch, um, to fucking creep him out. But I thought the the jump scares in this, I felt like, were so perfectly timed, and just Tim Curry's dialogue and him as Pennywise is just so spot on. So I just really enjoyed it. Never read it, like the actual book, a single day in my life. I probably will at some point, but I heard it's even more terrifying than the actual film. Um, but yeah, number one for me goes to it. Mm. Yeah, the the original with Tim Curry terrifying as shit. The the new ones terrifying as yeah. shit. Like like yeah, it's a creepy story and it's I mean it's pretty scary. Um, I'm right there with you. My number one. I watched it as a kid. It might be if I if my memory serves me right, the first real horror movie I ever watched. Um, I'm still scarred. I'm still scarred. I am talking about Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall and and the single most terrifying film I have ever seen without doubt. The Shining. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, yeah, as creepy as the blood coming through the elevator is, as creepy as, you know, the Danny Witten, Danny's not here anymore, Mrs. Torres, blah, 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 all terrifying. It's the fucking twins. It's the twins. The twins in the hallway scared the ever-living shit out of me. I didn't want to walk into a hallway in my house, in a hotel, in a hot, anywhere, because I was terrified those twins were going to be there and wanting to play. And I'm like, fuck you, mom. I'm not going anywhere where a hallway is ever again. Oh, I was terrified of them. And then at the end, the last thing you see, which just if you're not terrified enough by the twins, is Jack's fucking frozen face in that maze, that snow maze. And it's like, oh, my God, like, what are we doing right now? Um, And the sad thing is, just like Stephen King hated it. He hated that version. But that film, anybody I've ever spoken to fucking loves the film and was terrified by it. And just everybody talks about the twins. And, and I mean, come on, Danny Torrance. I mean, that's the creepiest. Red rum, red rum, red rum. I mean, holy shit. Like, Sleep Doctor, I was not so impressed with. You know, the sequel to yeah. it and everything, not so much. But The Shining, definitely my number one of all-time scary shit movies. And twin. I'm a twin. I was terrified of twins. Terrified of twins. Terrified of twins. Exactly. Like, I hate those girls. <laughs> I mean, I just, I still hate those girls. <laughs> they're probably grown ass women by now. They're for sure grown ass women older than me. Literally. And I don't, I'm terrified of them. That's so funny. I wonder what they look like now. That's a great question. And do they still have the dresses? Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Do they go as themselves as Halloween? Oh my God. They should still go as adult versions of the fucking twins. Oh, oh my God. I would be, if I saw them on the street, grown ass women in those dresses, I would run for my fucking life. I'm not even kidding. I for would sure. <laughs> well, guys, we want to know what is the top film that scared the shit out of you 
<laughs> please be sure to comment below in the comment section or on social media. We love the fan interaction. We love just talking to you guys. You guys For are sure. awesome. We'll head over to Box Office Recap. Of course, like we said in the industry news, Black Adam remained at number one. It had $27.5 million. Oh, that was probably like a fucking 60-something percent drop-off fucking subtweet to that guy last week um number two was ticket to paradise with 9.8 million that was actually really freaking good guys i mean i really hope rom-coms are making their way back into cinemas because they're they're just happy they're good times they are so check it out uh number three was pray for the devil with uh 7.2 million number four was smile with 5.4 and number five was halloween ends with 5.1 million New movies coming out this week. Um, not a lot, really. The Invaders, Armageddon Time, uh, She Said, Bones and All, and The Whale. Yeah, I want to see The Whale. That's the one with Brendan Fraser, y'all, that, that everybody's talking Oscar nomination yeah. for. It, it was limited release, uh, but I definitely want to see that film. I know. We definitely got to find where what theater is fucking carrying this thing. Cause Hell yeah. It does look good. Hell yeah. It does yeah. look good. Movies you can still go see right now, Till, Lyle Lyle, Crocodile. want to see that, too. Yeah. Uh, Terrifier 2, The Woman King, and Tar. IMDb Bros stop trending segment. Nothing really changed a lot this week. Black Adam is still the top trending movie. House of the Dragon is still the top trending show. But Leslie Jordan is the top trending star. And unfortunately, I hate when we, the, our top trending top trending star is for sad reasons. And yeah. you guys know Leslie was tragically killed in a car accident where they think it was like a medical problem that caused him to lose control. And you know, uh, I hate when they're trending because they've passed. It's Most sad. Definitely. But what a funny guy he was he too. was I great mean, just... i feel like he lit up every room oh for sure oh man but guys thank you so much for getting crazy with us up on 211 of inside the crazy ant farm we gotta thank our guest jess jesse arthur carroll yes. one more time for getting crazy with us be sure to follow him on social media and you can follow us on social media the company is at crazy ant media the podcast is at ItCap podcast and we are at jlo fantastic and crazy ant guy 1970 yes sir and be sure to subscribe to the this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast anchor apple podcast spotify google play music our hair radio podbean stitcher and so much more if you're watching this video on youtube be sure to hit the like button on the video subscribe to the channel and ring the bell for yes. all the latest and greatest notifications coming out of crazy ant media be sure to visit our website as well uh, www.crazyantmedia.com where you start rocking the latest crazy gear catch up on anything coming out of crazy ant media and watch our film deadline yes. be sure to check that out and guys this was a great show i love it i love when we get just to talk about industry news there's a lot of different stuff that's happening um i think uh the this week the most thing the thing i enjoyed most was the roller coaster of emotions that is warner brothers discovery right now yeah because there's some really good things and there's some really low things so it's just very interesting to see how that makes sense in their minds man like because on the outside looking in it just doesn't make any sense it doesn't and you know who the happiest person in hollywood is about all that nonsense at warner brothers discovery right now Bob Chappick, because nobody's nice. talking about him right now Literally. and all of his fuck-ups. He's Literally. like, thank you. Thank you, Zaslow. <laughs> Bob Chappick sent him a thank you card personally signed. Exactly. It's like, um, it is. It's odd what he's trying to do. I still believe that his goal is to sell Warner Brothers off. He He's trying to get himself to have Discovery be the big mamma jamma that he always wanted it to be, and then he's going to use everything he can to do that and then sell that shit off uh, as far as Warner Brothers goes. But um, I hope that's not the case, but I think it is. Yeah. Um, 
I got to tell you, though, <laughs> probably my favorite part of the show is you and I have had a lot of misspeaks yeah. on the show. <laughs> We've stumbled on some stuff before. We always get a good laugh. This may be the single greatest <laughs> misspoke speak spoken word it ever was, was uh, from either one of us yeah. it was fantastic <laughs> and um <laughs> please disclaimer it was a clear misspeaking yes. it was a clear like you know um <laughs> i've never laughed that hard on this show ever yeah. that was freaking fantastic and we love them both yeah we love ray romano we love greg berlanti i mean the Arrowverse god greg berlanti and love simon and all the amazing stuff he's done um <laughs> That shit was fucking hilarious. (laughs) As soon as it came out, I was like, damn. Yeah, no, he's like, oh, I just said that shit. It's so funny, guys. It's so funny. Well, we appreciate you guys for getting a little crazy with us again. Like I said, thank you so much for getting crazy. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And you guys know we love the one, the only, Oprah!